Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. If you're new to Bitcoin and discovering these podcasts around the different platforms, welcome to the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Stick around. There's lots to learn. And today's guest is Jose Limas, who joins us from Ibex, who are doing incredible work with integrating Lightning into point-of-sale machines, which is going to be huge for merchant adoption, which could see hyper-Bitcoinization, as we like to call it, really start to take off. Uh, there's no downside that I can see for any business just to have the ability to accept Bitcoin payments. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to hold Bitcoin. They can switch that straight to whatever currency they want at that point. So this is a really, really interesting work and something that Strike also working on. You've probably heard the announcement that Jack Mallers made at the Miami conference. Ibex could be ahead of the game on this one. It's uh, pretty incredible, the work that they've been doing. So make sure you listen to this one. A big shout out to everybody that is supporting the show. That means you guys that are retweeting and liking and commenting and engaging with the not just the show, but with the, the guys that come on and share their story. It's brilliant when I get feedback that you've reached out to one of the previous guests. So keep doing what you're doing, everybody. Thank you so much for helping this project along. And of course, the guys that you can stack with and support the show, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten in the US. That will get you a free $10 to start your stacking. They can serve you across the US. And if you go to Swan Private, you'll be able to access Swan's services from around the world. Relay.ch forward slash bitten. They are based in Europe. You can access them from the UK as well. They are a stacking app. Bunch of great guys doing great work. Bitcoinreserve.com forward slash bitten. You can also get 10 euros there with your first stack. You can stack with these guys up to a thousand pounds or euros a day on a card. That's the only service available across Europe. Or if you want the white glove service and you have a bigger amount to put on, 50 grand or more gets you direct contact with the team and they'll walk you through everything that you need to do, including setting up your wallet. Brilliant work from Nick and the guys over at Bitcoin Reserve. Coincorner.com forward slash bitten. That's an exchange based out of the Isle of Man. You can use euros or pounds to set up your account. You can also set up business accounts. This is huge. If you've got a business and you want to start stacking sats or accepting Bitcoin as payments, as we're talking about in this episode, Coin Corner have got you covered. Or if you know a business that wants to do this, point them Danny's way. He's going to be coming on the show again soon. They just released the bulk card, which was awesome to see. Bitcoinday.io are going to help you learn about Bitcoin across the US, small meetups. There's a, a big conference coming up in Prague, Liberty in Our Lifetime. I'll be speaking there. You can find the details in the show. Use Princey20 for 20% discount. This is discovering parallel systems, how we can opt out of legacy systems. But make sure you're stacking safely. Use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten for a 5% discount on the Bitbox 02 hardware edition, Bitcoin only edition hardware wallet. 
Enjoy this app with Jose. All right, we're recording with Jose. How are you doing, brother? Good, good. How's it going, Daniel? Very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you too. And uh, you know, set second time of asking because the first time you were you were stuck in an airport lounge, which uh, was never going to work out. <laughs> so it's good to get this one going. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know traveling is a hassle. Well, Lauren is here to ask the first question. I'm not sure if you were aware that that was going to happen, but this is Lauren, and she asks the first question on pretty much all of the podcasts. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll step yeah. aside. Well, very um, nice to meet you, Lauren, and I'm looking forward to the question. Thank you. Um. So my question is, what, like, like, what do you do? What do I do? Um. Basically, I I run Ibex, uh, Bitcoin, uh, Lightning company. Uh, here at Ibex, we do two things mainly. One is uh, we provide access to Bitcoin for Central Americans. Uh, that comes in the form of basically an OTC desk. OTC means over-the-counter. and uh, So it's not like a super sophisticated piece of software. It's not an exchange. It's just a way for people to buy and sell Bitcoin very easily. Um, and the other thing we do, which is, I think, what brings us here and it's more interesting, is we uh, help companies integrate Lightning capabilities into their products and services. So, for example, if you're a merchant, you know, if you're Domino's Pizza and you want to accept Lightning payments over the Bitcoin Lightning Network, we provide the technology for that. So we have a merchant solution, but then we also have, you know, uh, a more technical solution, which allows banking institutions and exchanges to, to do the same thing, basically integrate into Lightning Network and accept, you know, Bitcoin transactions with their apps. Cool. Did any of that make any sense? Well, I understood the part where about the lightning Bitcoin and to like help Central Americans. Is that right? Um, get like send Bitcoin across and like you know. So, and and to further explain it, this, um, lightning is a way to transact. Bitcoin instantly at very small scales. So, and it's really what makes, I think the Bitcoin protocol unique is that how it's uh, growing is it's growing on layers, kind of like when you build a lasagna, right? Where you put in different layers of stuff and, and then you grow up. And uh, Bitcoin is doing the same thing. Or think of it like a building, right? When you do a building, first you lay a foundation, then you build on top of that foundation, and those can be considered different layers. And Bitcoin is doing the same thing. So the first layer for Bitcoin is really a store of value layer, right? It's uh, 
it's what allows Bitcoin to be really safe, really secure. But the problem it has is it doesn't allow for easy transactions. So transactions in you know the base layer of, of the Bitcoin network are very slow. And they're uh, you know, depending on how you look at it, can be relatively high cost. What the Lightning Network allows us to do is by building on top of that base layer, it allows us to transact, make Bitcoin into the best transaction medium we know in humanity it, that has ever existed. And this is really interesting because I think um, a lot of people miss this is that you can't really scale any other way. Not if you want to be a good store of value and also be a good medium of transaction. If we look back in history and uh, to make an analogy, this is what gold had, right? So gold it has historically been the best store of value that humans have had because it's the most stable, you know, it's difficult to replicate, it's somewhat easy to identify, and it may, and it's very scarce. So it's really good as a store of value. But what happened with gold was that when it was just the metal that existed, it wasn't really good for transactions. And that's why you had like a multiple metal standard, right? So you had gold for big transactions, you had silver for little transactions, you had copper for little, for even littler transactions and, and so on. So, so you had bronze as well playing a role in currency. And the reason was that you couldn't really move gold as quickly or in small amounts as you needed to, right? And I think that's kind of like uh, where other currencies, like the best example is Litecoin, right? Wanted to, uh, to address that transactionality of Bitcoin. They said, well, if Bitcoin is gonna be gold, let us be silver, right? Because we need faster ways to transact with smaller denominations. But similar to what happened with the multi-metal standard, uh, of whole gold's heyday, um, you know, gold eventually got scaled on with a second layer. The second layer was paper backed by gold. So basically notes that people wrote, okay, I'm gonna transfer X amount of ounces of gold to this person. And that allowed us to, uh, as humans, to, it allowed us to, you know, take, gold, which was very difficult to transport and then very difficult to handle in small quantities. And it basically allowed us to do both. So we could do really small fractions of gold and we could move it a lot fast. And I believe that is what Lightning is doing with Bitcoin. Now the cool thing and the main difference between gold scaling with paper and Lightning scaling with Bitcoin is that you don't have to trust us as you know the lightning providers to have the Bitcoin behind it. 
because this is built on top of smart contracts. So before I can say, I have X amount of lightning at X amount of Bitcoin in the lightning network that you can transact with, I actually have to commit that Bitcoin. Whereas with gold, I could just say, listen, I have this amount of gold and maybe I do, maybe I don't. With Bitcoin, you can be 100% Bitcoin, 100% certain that whatever Bitcoin um, I say I have, I do have because I committed it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot to take in. A lot. A, a, a beautiful history lesson about uh, about money. Uh, so, do you have any further questions for Jose? No. No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, you go and uh, you go and sleep on that, and let Bitcoin do its thing in your mind. Okay. All right. We'll say good night to Jose. Okay. Good night. Thank you. Good. Bye. Good night, Ronnie. Very nice to meet you. Thanks, mate. Uh, yeah, a, a lot. Um, well, I, I guess the, the first thing to to kind of figure out is when did you make all of these realizations that you've just explained to Lauren? What, when when did all of this start clicking for you? Well, I started clicking around the Miami 22 conference this year. Uh, where, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but we were the official lightning payment sponsor for Miami BTC 22. And, uh, you know, we had a booth, we, we allowed basically every merchant in the conference, you could pay with lightning, uh, with our, uh, merchant solution. We had, uh, a big booth. And the thing was that, you know, when you show up to these conferences, you want to show up with a story, right? So it kind of came up off of from that. Okay, what story are we telling? And why are we different? And not necessarily just Ibex, but just, you know, like why it matters, why it's different. And, and you know, I plunged really deep into, into that thing. And, and that, and that thought, and yeah, that's where it came. So what about Bitcoin itself? When, when did Bitcoin kind of start dropping for you? Well, it basically dropped the moment I read the white paper back in 2012. Wow. Uh, yeah, because there were two things that really hooked me into Bitcoin. And one is, you know, the that nobody could print it was the first one. And then the other one was that I could assume responsibility for my wealth and not have to entrust it to somebody else. Um, I was actually involved in the wrong end of a bank bankruptcy. So a bank went under and we lost basically all the company's money. So I, I, have zero trust in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about that. Let, let's dig into that because that would that would be uh, very interesting. What were you doing at that point? Then, what was the company? Was it your company, or you were part of the company, part of the founding team? I was a part of the company. I was a minority shareholder in the company. It was a bike um, assembly business, 
So we would uh, import uh, bicycles from China, assemble them in Guatemala and sell them to distributors. And uh, we were, now what's interesting is that um, Guatemala sites with Taiwan, right? So back in, two, this is a 2003-ish, mm -hmm. 2003, 2004. How, how old were you at that? How old were you at that point? Uh, I was 24, 25. Wow. All right. So young, you're in Guatemala. This is your home country, right? Uh, and yeah. uh, so you're shipping in, you're shipping in bikes, you're assembling them and then selling them to market. Yeah. Okay. So, but Taiwan. And so, so Guatemala is aligned with Taiwan and we were importing bikes from China, mainland China. Right. And the problem was that we couldn't send money directly because, well, we like Taiwan. Right. So we had to actually, so what, how, you know, you worked around that blockade was that you could set up an offshore account in one of the islands in the Caribbean, but it wasn't set up like I went to the Caribbean and set up a bank account. Uh, the Guatemalan bank has set up an operation that's offshore. So it, it was the same bank, right? But it had the operation in the, let's call it Cayman for now, just to pick an island. And they could send money from that bank in that jurisdiction to mainland, mainland China. And so we opened the bank account. Everything was done here in Guatemala, but the operation that they had was offshore. And that's kind of how we lost all the money because we were in the process in the middle of importing the bicycles into Guatemala and uh, we were waiting on the BL and the shipping company let us know we we're going to be arriving next week so we had to move the money to the offshore account so we could pay the suppliers and get the BL released to us and in that process when the money was in the offshore account the bank went under. The bank, the Guatemalan bank or the one in Cayman or wherever? The whole operation, both. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And we basically lost all the money and we had to scramble to collect debts to basically pay for the uh, shipment. Got delayed. It was, uh, it was a tough time. We basically lost all the profit for one year. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it really shows you how far you can trust this unsinkable institutions, right? Because unlike the US in Guatemala, we don't have too big to fail. Things fail all the time. Mm-hmm. So for me, the Bitcoin's value proposition was immediately apparent. I didn't even need the uh, price of Bitcoin to go up. Unfortunately, at that time, uh, one, I wasn't smart enough to start mining. And two, uh, I couldn't get money to any place in the world that I could buy Bitcoin in. So right. it took me till 2017 to actually get my hands on my first Bitcoins. 
Oh my god, that's the worst. So you've seen it, you understand what it is, you want it, but you can't get it because you're locked out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could have gotten it if I was smarter, right? But if you'd have done the mining, yes, I suppose. Yeah, you, you could have got it, uh, but um... you could even fill out surveys and get Bitcoin. Out of it. And that's how early, you know, it was. Right. I was going to say that there's probably way too early for any kind of peer-to-peer market, like meeting a guy down the down the bar. To, yeah. to would would that have even been going on in those days? Well, uh, I was actually the first user in Guatemala in local bitcoins. Really? Yeah, I I logged in and I was the only one there. So I tried local bitcoins and there wasn't just any market for it i probably was one of the first people in guatemala to find out about it <laughs> who did you start telling hmm? who did you start telling about it uh, i told my friends and family you know i, I started like there's this thing if i said it's really interesting the Implications are huge uh, if it's successful in what it's trying to do, it's going to change the world. And they thought I was crazy. <laughs> yep, we've all been there, and many of us still are. Uh, but, yeah. But, explain uh, Guatemala to us for the for those of us that have never been to Guatemala. What, what's the uh, what's the country like? What's the culture like? The, the country, uh, I, I, I need that question to be narrowed down a little bit so I don't go off on tangents. Okay, let's dig what, into specifics. What do you want to know? What? Okay, now describe uh, Guatemala to me. Is this uh, like a, a, a paradise? Is it a metropolis? Have you got mountains? Have you got volcanoes? Have you got oceans? What's, what's the... Okay, so... It's a small, relatively small country, you know, size-wise. Also population-wise, it's, it's not that big, maybe 15 million, 16 million inhabitants. Um, a lot of people work in, in Guatemala. So Guatemala City, uh, you know, the capital, it, it's, you know, you would call it an average city, I guess. Uh, and it's but it gets a lot of people it gets 6 million out of this those 16 are working in the capital but not necessarily living here so traffic is hellish at this point because you have 3 million people living actually living in the city and then we get 3 million people in every day in and out right and so just getting it and we only have four access points so one to the north, one to the south, one to the east, one to the west. And they're just locked every day. We don't really have any public transportation to speak of. Um, just ge geographically, we're in a, basically a sweet spot. So weather is really nice, right? And, um, and so we... It's actually called the land of eternal spring because 
that's how the weather is all throughout the year. You know, we, we, we have an average of maybe 22 degrees, 20 degrees, but the range is really small. It's only like 10 to 30. So you're pretty much around that average all year. And, uh, and so, you know, obviously with altitude variations that, that range expands, but, but if you go to most places, it's, it's pretty comfortable. Um, then uh, we have 27 volcanoes out of which five are active at any one time. We have, so we have mountain ranges. We, we got, um, you know, coasts on both sides. So we got the Atlantic and the Pacific. Uh, we got a lot of lakes. One of the most beautiful lakes in the world is here in Guatemala. That's not me saying it. That's <laughs> National Geographic and Aldous Huxley saying it. Okay. Um, so small country, um, our jurisdictional system is compromised to say the least. Not in the sense that, that, yeah, there is corruption and all that, but to me it's more, more than, than that. We're just working with uh, outdated jurisdictional infrastructure. We don't have a system that allows for innovation pretty much. So, you know, depending on what I like to say, awesome place to visit, awful place to live in and do business. Like if you can live here, but earn income elsewhere, you're golden. Well, Bitcoin fixes that in a sense, I suppose. Yeah. So yes, and, and you so you border El Salvador. What, what's uh, has there been any kind of news spilling across? Was your head of state one of the forty-four people in El Salvador this last week? I don't believe he was. Not 100% on it, but I don't think he was. Um, with El Salvador, that's actually how we got started in Lightning, right? Because before El Salvador, we were mainly focused on you know, the OTC market and delivering as much Bitcoin as we could into Central American people's hands. And then the news happened and we realized there was a huge challenge to be had if we wanted Bitcoin to have any degree of success in El Salvador, we needed to help businesses at least accept Bitcoin. So the week after the announcement was made, we were, you know, in El Salvador, boots on the ground. We were meeting with business people and corporations and trying to get them to wrap their head around this. And that's where, you know, our first product came to life, which was Ibex Pay, which is just a very simple platform for merchants anywhere to accept Bitcoin. And in El Salvador, particularly the problem we solved was uh, instant USD convertibility. That's their currency right there that, that they use there. Um, so what we do is we allow merchants to basically use Bitcoin kind of like a credit card, right? Or another payment method. 
because at the end of the day, they're going to be receiving dollars in their bank account. So, so that's kind of what we did as the MVP because we realized that while Bitcoin is really is easy for an individual at this point in time, it's really hard for businesses because there's no tools. So you don't have not anything, right? You don't have a way to accept Bitcoin. And then on the other hand, you don't have a way to manage it once it is inside your company. How are you going to custody it? Who's going to hold the treasury keys? Who's going to, how are those funds going to be managed? How are we going to disperse the funds? How are we going to separate, you know, the funds that we have in Bitcoin to spend and the funds we have in Bitcoin to basically as reserves and who's going to have access to the spending Bitcoin. All of that still doesn't exist. And that, that is what we at IBEX are really focused on giving those tools and allowing these corporations to integrate Bitcoin into their solutions and ecosystem. So this reminds me now of Jack's talk in, uh, in Miami mm -hmm. or his announcement of what Strike is doing. And you're doing exactly the same thing or are you helping them build that out? Like, is there any kind of overlap? Uh, well, I think uh, Strike actually took a lot of uh, what we found out in, in El Salvador and, and started, I believe, pivoting because I believe at first they were mainly focused on the retails, retails, you know, in the P2P market, right? And we're, you know, the ones that really came in and targeted the merchants at the start and giving them a solution to easily accept them and do that kind of stuff. Um, but besides that, or what we did is we basically built a set of API tools that allowed us to build this product, right? And we we did, did that because our CTO actually comes from the banking background. He He's an AWS partner. He has set up banking course for banks here in Guatemala. He, um, he also helps, you know, big institutions like the tax authority in Guatemala to run their cloud infrastructure in AWS and that type of stuff. And, and so he very well, he understood very well that we needed to build something that's easily scalable and easily distributable. And that's where, you know, one of the core products that we have comes in, which is <clears throat> this set of API tools that allows any business to build out their own lightning solution. And they just, so we run it just like an infrastructure supplier, right? So lightning as a service is what we call it. And this is what some banks in El Salvador are using right now. And this is also what the exchange that we onboarded in Mexico right now is using. It allowed them to deploy basically uh, or integrate Lightning into their app in one month instead of what is it, 10 to 18 months if you want to do it by yourself. And so it's faster time to market and then reduce the headaches of you know infrastructure management. So you're a plug and play solution for, for these old uh, legacy systems that 
are looking to this right okay all, uh, all legacy but also if it's not your core business right so for mm -hmm. example if you're a wallet and you decide that you want to have lightning capabilities instead of you know building out everything yourself you can reach out to us and we can just through a series of apis have you up and running in a couple of weeks and now you're as lightning so on the merchant side how quickly can they just get this on their point of sale machine Oh, that, that's 15 minutes, maybe. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's, that's solved. That's done. Yeah, if, if you don't want to have it integrated into your POS or don't have to have it integrated into your POS, mm -hmm. you just want the payment terminal, which uh, I can show you right here how it looks. Give me a sec. Let me pull it up. So it's... It looks something like this. Mm -hmm. This is what merchants in El Salvador are using. So to set up this payment terminal, 15 minutes. So it doesn't have to be on. So let, let's say you've got a merchant, they've got a point of sale machine. They want to accept Bitcoin, but I don't want the hassle of that Bitcoin going on the balance sheet. So for now, they could literally just download an app on a tablet, which is the Ibex Pay app. Instead of using a point of sale machine at point of sale, they could use it and stack the Bitcoin on on a separate tablet. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, uh, it, you don't even have to download an app. This is all web based. Hmm. So this is actually, uh, uh, yeah, web based. So you just have it as a service. Whereas other merchants that are, do have the point of sale machine and they want to use that and they want Bitcoin to start hitting their balance sheet and they've got no, no uh, problems with that, <clears throat> they just hit the website on their point of sale machine and bam, you're, you're, you're good to go. It's installed. Well, not necessarily. That's one of the issues we have right now is that all of the POS systems uh, right now are basically closed ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And we are reaching out to them. And in fact, this week, we're going to be attending the uh, POS uh, trade show in Chicago to go and see who wants to integrate uh, Lightning into their POS systems, right? <coughs> Sorry. Uh, I think we, you know, maybe we, we're hoping somebody gets really interested in this because um, a lot of them are, are dragging their feet, uh, but we believe there's going to be a huge first mover advantage here for those who do once this picks up. Is it already in the McDonald's or Starbucks point of sale machines? Is that how they're accepting Bitcoin in? No. Oh, no? no, nobody has it so far integrated into a POS system natively. Man, this and is huge. Kind of like, yeah. And there's a point of sale machine conference? Like, the, the, who knew? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we're going there. Do you have a booth there as well? Or are you just going to go around and like troll people into downloading a, a Bitcoin Lightning proof of sale? No, right now we're, we're just going to go visit booth by booth and mm -hmm. explain, listen, this is what we do. Would you be interested in integrating this into your POS system? And go from there. 
But we have already reached out to, you know, the guys from Toast, Clover, um, Square, NCR, uh, Micros. So, you know, there's a lot of hesitations on, on the part of these companies because I guess everybody's kind of waiting to see who makes the first move. So Square still don't have it integrated? Hmm? Square don't have it integrated? No. No. I, I did not know that. I thought that would have just been... Okay, so if Square turn around and say, yeah, you're done, uh, we'll, we'll implement this software across our system... Mm-hmm. Shop shop merchants across the world are going to wake up one day, and there's going to be an option. Do you want to accept Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. You, you just you can just turn on the functionality. <laughs> oh, mate! How close are we to this? Close, right? Clearly. I'll, I'll let you know after the trade show because <laughs> conversations have not been encouraging. I think a lot of them don't really see the value in this alternative form of payment. Um, they, we tried to make it as easy as possible, but you know, um, there's some skittishness there. Uh, so, so uh, you know, Big companies like that are are not fast to move, generally speaking. So we have integrated with other very interesting projects, like, for example, Oshi. I don't know if you've heard about them. Yeah, the guys in Texas that are all through the restaurant yeah, scene. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we work with them, and uh, and it's really cool because you can get uh, cash back on on their app, right? And it's basically agnostic and, and uh, we're doing some really cool things with them. So maybe a company like Oshi might have an advantage, you know, six months as they continue to build out their solution. And because they're really just one step away from, you know, accepting credit cards. And then if you're one of their customers and you say, if I can also do credit cards with Oshi, why do I need this other guy, right? And so, you know. Merchant adoption is so key. The merchant adoption is so key. It's so key. That's why I was excited about uh, Jack's announcement at the the conference uh, and talking to you. So... What I what I don't understand is then from the merchant's point of view, like that person that you're talking to, trying to explain what what's their blocking point. It, um, clearly, <clears throat> if they're not the yes guy, it's career risk for them. They don't want to be the guy that walks back into the boardroom and says, "We need to implement Bitcoin on our point uh, point of sale machines because there's there's too much." of a target being put on his back if he if he's doing that i think that's some of it and some of it is just education right and this is what we want to make clear to these merchants is uh, not not the merchant but the pos system guys is that listen forget about bitcoin this is just a way better way to move 
money because you don't have any lower bound limits, right? You can move cents, which creates new monetization strategies, right? And, and you never have to hold the asset. So if you don't want to, so, which is what we did for every merchant in El Salvador. So listen, don't, don't worry about Bitcoin. You don't have to think about it. Set your reception at zero, right? So you can, you don't want to so, so like that, that guy could literally say, we'll set a reception at zero. That means we're going to receive zero Bitcoin, but we will receive dollars. That is correct. So there's like no downside for these guys at all. What, what I think as well is going on is that because people uh, are, are so tied to their jobs and their, and their rat race and uh, they're, they're very hesitant to rock the boat to to do something new and they think it's like they, they don't understand that right yes even if you say we accept bitcoin you're not going to get a deluge of bitcoin <laughs> there's still only a very very few amount of people in the world that would be willing to part with their bitcoin for your service or product you might get one a month to begin with perhaps like you know it's not it's not just going to be like turning on a faucet and you're not going to know what to do with it it's going to you you're going to have time but you are going to get a lot of exposure about this announcement and it's free marketing for any merchandise you know it's absolutely like all you've got to do is say we now accept bitcoin on our store and it could be for one product it doesn't have to be for the whole range say you're a clothing store like just say for this particular line, we will accept Bitcoin for it. If you're worried about this whole thing, just use it as a tool to market yourself out there as someone innovative and different without taking on any risk. There's zero downside. Zero, yeah. And uh, and yeah, so that's kind of what we did. We, we tried to do risk. And I think we were successful in just do risking, you know, Bitcoin acceptance. To be fair, this is it right now for us across the world because you get into some complicated jurisdictions like the UK, for example, where we can't do that conversion. But in the US, in El Salvador, in Guatemala, pretty much in Central America, yeah, absolutely no problem. We're working on some um, deals for to bring this to Brazil and Argentina as well. You know, that instant conversion, that zero risk. And, uh, but for merchants that are willing to, you know, be a little bit more innovative, this is a way to get exposure to Bitcoin without really, you know, without a huge commitment to it, right? You can start like building up, especially, you know, if, if you're not a big chain, but you're, you're more like an entrepreneur, it's your own shop. And you can start like working it in as sales come in, you can see, okay. And you, DCA in a certain in a certain way for your Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. And you build up your Bitcoin treasure in your company. So you mentioned the UK there. What what's the sticking point with the UK? Uh, well, to be able to do uh, fiat settlement, you need to have banking relationships, mm -hmm. and that's the sticking point with the UK banking right. relationship for Bitcoin companies. So 
I see. So while in the UK it's not illegal to have Bitcoin, for all intents and purposes, you know, you can't hold Bitcoin and have a bank account, as exemplified by Peter McCormick. Yes. Yes. I'm just trying to think of how you could I well, do it, but but you know, you, you don't have to say, but then it because it's not you as an individual. Like for example, you can have Bitcoin. You, you your bank doesn't know that Daniel Prince, you know, has this amount of Bitcoin, or you know, we don't want to service him because he holds Bitcoin. You don't matter to them, right? But if you were Daniel Prince LTV or a company that's providing merchant services, mm. then you have an issue. I wonder if Danny at Coin Corner can help you out. Because Maybe. they're based they're based in the Isle of Man. They have slightly different uh, regulations there to the mainland of the UK. And you can open a business account with them because they <laughs> any business can open a business account with them. So I wonder if that's a way for you to break into that market. I'd happily introduce you because Danny would be able to tell you yeah, yes or no. Definitely. It could be, it could be, but you know, and also to be truthful, uh, Daniel, and here's where I find the beauty in this. And it's kind of, for me, it's a letdown uh, what Strike is doing uh, because they're going after a market that we have covered, right? So we have covered the merchant market, pretty much. And I thought, at least in my head, Strike had covered, let's say the retail market, the P2P market, right? And the beautiful thing about Bitcoin, and I'll ask you something to, to, so, so you can think about this a little bit before I deliver the punchline is why is email still around? Why is what? So email still around. Um, why is email still around? We, we just haven't. Yeah, I suppose you're right. We've just not moved on at all from email. I, I guess you yeah, could say. Because it's insecure. Yeah. There's way better communications alternatives out there like WhatsApp, um, telegram signal, yeah, telegram, yeah, they're endless, yeah. But, but why do we still have email? Good, it, it, it's, I want to say it's because this is what legacy kind of uh systems were, were built around for their communications network, and that's what they still rely on. Or it's the because punchline? it's open. Because it's open. Right. See, the beautiful thing about email is you don't have to be on Gmail for me to send you an email. Right. Right? You can be on Hotmail, AWL, Yahoo. Your, even you can set up your e own email server in your house. I don't know. I don't care. As long as I send it in this format, it gets delivered to you. And that's the only reason why email is still around. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot be openness. And that's, to me, the beautiful thing about Lightning and the Lightning Network. It's the openness. 
And why it's going to win against, let's say, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Venmo, TransferWise, everything else out there is because of that openness. Because you will not have to have Ibex Pay or whatever, or my Ibex Pay wallet to be able to pay at an Ibex Pay merchant. You can go there with Strike. You can go with there with Cash App. You can go there with whatever Satoshi, Moon Wallet, all of them. If you speak Lightning, you can pay at Ibex Pay, right? And if I had an Ibex Pay wallet, if you had, let's say, Strike Merchant, I could pay at that merchant, right? So you don't have to solve for both sides of the equation. And so what I think would have been smarter is if, if you go right now and you see Strike's marketing, Every time they're paying at a merchant, I know they're paying at an Ibex Pay merchant because that's the only one that reliably works in El Salvador, in the US, et cetera. And that the experience is what it needs to be because this is how Ibex Pay works. Let me show you. I'm gonna, uh, yeah, let me do this. I'm gonna, I'm going to try to show you this in my tablet. So, sorry about that. So let me show you how easy this is. Okay, here we go. Let me pull out the uh, URL here. Copy this. So sorry about this. If you want, ask me questions while I set this up. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, do you have any brothers and sisters? Yes, I do. I have. <laughs> actually, my brother was my first partner at Ibex. We started this project together back in 2017. Wow. And I'll, I'll give you a little bit more uh, uh, how we started. We... Uh, you know, in 2017, and this is gonna sound a little bit arrogant, right? But in 2017, at, at one point, I just decided, you know, I, I, Bitcoin is, to me, it was too important, right? And, um, and so I just decided, you know what? I'm gonna go all in with my savings. And I went all in with my savings. And so we did that. Uh, and then uh, I ran out of money to keep putting into Bitcoin, but I wanted to do more. And I, we talked to, with my brother and I told him, listen, I, I think Bitcoin is too important to not be involved in at a deeper level. Yeah, we put our money in, but I want to do more than that. I want to put my energy and I want to put my creativity and I want to put everything I can into make helping Bitcoin's chances of success improve. And so, yeah, th that's how Ibex started at first. And so let me uh, share my screen. I'm ready now. Okay, excellent. Oh, wait, wait. 
let me do something else. Let me, we're gonna do this better. So I'll come to my wallet of Satoshi here, right? So I'm a, I arrive at a merchant mm -hmm. and the merchant here, so the merchant, and I'm gonna click here send so you can actually see the screen. So the merchant starts to input, you know, the amount. As I, you can see, it's calculating in real time the Satoshi that you're gonna charge, right? Yep. And right now I'm at a Marlins game as an example, right? And I go there and I buy a pack of gums and it's five cents. Click charge and the QR is generated. I scan it, I pay it, and it's received. And let me go here to my camera so you can see the payment is received. And it actually happened a lot faster than that. Yeah. Well, instantly. And, and so, for example, let me log off my... Uh, let me stop sharing. And let me leave here so I can go back. So that's the experience at the merchant. And you don't go to a different website. You don't have to scan a QR that then you have to pull in. You don't, it, it's all done immediately. And when we integrate with a POS system, it's gonna be just like that. And the cool thing here is that, you know, everything else is transparent both to the merchant and to the customer, right? Has to be this simple. And so, and the cool thing for, so what I don't like that Stripe does is that they block IBEX pay in any of their publications where they're paying at an establishment, right? I go the other way, or at IBEX, we go the other way. We show, you know, we're constantly showing, you know, people paying with Stripe, people will paying with Wallet of Satoshi, people paying with Cash App, because the cool thing to me is that interoperability. That's what makes this great, that you don't have to be with to accept payments. That's what sets us apart from Apple Pay, from Google Pay, Venmo, TransferWise, all of them. Because we can work together. And I would have hoped that they focused more on continuing to educate their current customer base into listening. You know, IBEX Pay, Open Node, whoever else is bringing in merchants, you can go with your Lightning wallet and pay at those places. But I guess they're going another route. So, okay. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Um, are they signing up the merchants on? like a, a one-shot deal sort of thing, like uh, contractually obligated to just use the, the Strike app or you don't know? I don't know. I haven't seen any of their solutions yet in working. I think they're mainly focused on the NCR stuff right now. Uh, don't know when it's going to roll out either. So NCR we'll would be see. what? Uh, there, one of the that uh, Strike was uh, integrating Lightning capabilities into NCR POSs, but we don't know yet when it's uh, going to happen or how yes. it's going to happen. 
Sorry, so, NCR, the company that uh, provide the point of sale machines. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, so, that's so correct. So we'll have to wait on that to see how, how they do it. Uh, I would expect them to keep the openness of the network available because otherwise, why are you just doing a competitive? Why are you just a competitor to Apple Pay then? You know, to me, it doesn't make sense. We're trying to do something a little bit different here. Have you spoken with Jack or not? No. I've, I, we've actually spoken with their team, though, specifically in El Salvador. And for a yeah. while, we thought that was the way they were going to go because we talked about doing promotions together, right? So for example, pay with strike, get IBEX, get cash back, SATS back, that type of stuff. But I think they never got really interested in that. So one um, thing that um, you, you'll be able to help me understand this yeah, is if I, uh, I want to shop at a merchant, uh, I want to um, use uh, dollars, yeah, and they want to receive dollars, but the dollars were hopping on the that they're gonna hop onto the Lightning Network and get pinged across final settlement within seconds, whatever. There's there's got to be some kind of how's the FX conversion happening. And there's got to be surely some kind of fee somewhere. It's not like I can send $5 and they receive $5. So for the merchant, you see some fees, right? Uh, although if you keep it in Lightning, it's way smaller than current, uh, let's say, credit card fees. So we're, you, you, we basically do 0.7% if you stay in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And then for if you want the fiat conversion, you can add, depending on volume, one to 1.5 points extra. So you're anywhere between, you know, 1.7 to 2.2 for the whole transaction. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty much competitive with what we see in credit cards. It's when you stay in Bitcoin that you really start to see a lot significant difference in fees just because of the conversion is, is, uh, it's not, you know, it's not without cost, um, but that is dollars in your bank account, basically next day. So for, and, for the merchant, you're paying probably anywhere between like around, let's say 50% less fees, but you're getting mm-hmm. uh, the settlement much quicker. Yeah. That's then, if I'm that's um, if I'm paying dollars to to Bitcoin to dollars, right? But if if I'm paying yeah, yeah, yeah. if I'm paying Bitcoin and they want to receive dollars, that fee would be even less, a little bit. No, no, the, the same thing. It's if let's say the customer goes out in dollars, but you receive Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you pay way less. You pay 0.7. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that. Uh, that this is what is really attractive for merchants is no chargebacks. What do you mean by that? You don't get charged back. So once you receive that payment, you receive it. There, you know, there's, it's cash. It's instantly settled. 
you don't wait two, three days, or in the case of credit cards, up to 180 days to see if that transaction actually cleared, or if somebody went and said, listen, I did not make that purchase and credit my money back. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and it, and I don't think most people realize how bad this is for merchants. Right. Yeah. I, I had no idea this kind of stuff was going on. So, yeah. So, so merchants, the worst offenders so far is PayPal. Okay. Let me explain how bad, because this happened when we talked to one of our customers, when we said no chargebacks, their ears perked up. They were like, what? Because <laughs> they're using PayPal, right? And we're like, yeah, you know, no chargebacks. And they, they, I don't want to burn them, so I'm not going to say what product or service they offered, but they had um, video proof that the customer received, you know, the service or product that, you know, they said they paid. And it was, it was expensive. It was $5,000. And the customer once, you know, called back within two, three days and said, listen, I never received that. PayPal got the money back into the customer's hands. The guys challenged it, showed conclusive proof, video proof that the customer indeed had received what he paid for. And, And PayPal went, well, listen, based on the volume of business you do, you can afford this chargeback, so we're not giving it back. Uh, huh. Oh my God. All right, well, Bitcoin clearly fixes this. Like, there's, no, yeah. there's no gray area yeah. on Bitcoin fixing this. Like, yeah. this right, yeah. So yeah. instant settlement. Yeah. No chargeback. Yeah, so instant settlement, no chargebacks. What we like to say is the, so going back to the start, you know, when we started the story we told at the conference and what I think is really cool about this is cross-border, cross-currency micropayments. Mm-hmm. And this is what this enables. So Lightning doesn't win because it's, you know, a different way to pay for a cup of coffee. Lightning wins because it's able to do stuff that the current payment systems just cannot do. Absolutely cannot do. And, and that's really important because we don't think about it this way, but we're kind of, we live in a paradigm, right? And that paradigm is set, set the borders or let's, our fishbowl is is the fact that we can only do transactions up to, or as low as, let's say 99 cents. That's the broad standard. You know, some jurisdictions you can go lower into like 50 50 cent range, but you can't really do electronic transactions for less than that. It's not worth it for anybody. And it's because, so what happens? Commerce gets done at that level. And then you add on top of that things like uh, fraud and all of these jurisdictional issues and 
where am I getting money from and all of that. And then commerce becomes limited. Think of it like this. Imagine if you had uh, only cash, if you were only allowed to do cash transactions, person to person, right? How would commerce look in that world? It would look really different from how it does look today, right? And so what I'm saying is, what lightning does is, listen, you're in this fishbowl, but there's this ocean of opportunity that now is available. And what is that ocean? That ocean includes things like payment streaming. That ocean includes things like global content delivery at micro payment levels. So for example, if I wanna read an article from the London Times, I don't have to subscribe to the London Times. I can pay for just that article. And I would, I bet you, most people in the world are willing to pay five to 10 cents for that article, right? If it's interesting to you. And so that is the opportunities that start to open up. You know, the ability to get paid from anywhere to anywhere at any level. And so for me, really, you know, some of the people that are going to be benefit the most from this are content creators that have a hard time monetizing their content because you rely on advertising dollars and our advertising dollars are very fickle, right? As opposed to you having a strong, you know, um, follower base that where your followers can pay you a fraction of a second, every second they watch your content. Which is what Fountain App is, and which exactly. is what I use as my main podcast platform now. Uh, really interesting about the article, um, the articles that you were talking about. It just made me think about you could even build on top of that uh, keywords. So the keywords pull in the articles that you're interested in, and then you just scroll through and you just paying yeah five cents for this one seven cents for that one so you're curating the stuff that you want to learn about uh yeah it's endless opportunities what what one endless. so let's go to the other end of this scale so micropayments yeah. no problem what if i want to send you 50 grand on the lightning network doable uh, right now we have in fact it's something that we have set up uh, for customers are uh, high throughput channels. The problem with high throughput channels on the Lightning Network is, you know, your money is at risk, right? If something happens to that channel, if you get hacked and somebody gets access to your uh, hot wallet, and there's a bunch of issues here, but that's why, uh, you know, companies like Ibex are important because that's kind of the service we are we offer, right? You want to push $100,000 transactions through. Well, if it's just you, your company doing it, might not be worth the risk to do it. But if, you know, for Ibex, we have uh, a suite of customers that need that availability and Lightning is what we do all day. And we set our security protocols, which we do, and we develop this standard and so on and so forth. 
you will have, you know, if you're an IBEX, you can receive that payment. That's an example. Mm -hmm. Or you can also push it out. Why would anyone do that rather than just using the base layer to, to do that? What would be the use case of me sending you 50 grand on the Lightning Network rather than just waiting the 10 minutes? There's no, there's not really a big argument for it. Uh, mostly it would be, so for example, uh, if you're a company and you're receiving a lot of small payments, right? And you want to pay out a supplier or something, uh, but you, we're working on something uh, right now, which we hope will revolutionize also how you pay suppliers on your end. So you don't have to ever send hmm. that much, that big a transaction. All right. You've probably hinted at what you're doing. Uh, drip, drip feeding suppliers would be an amazing idea. That'd be a very fucking cool idea because that, that builds relationships and trust way, way faster than just sending across like uh, end of month. If I can send just daily, like, uh, it, and it doesn't have to be much, but that's constant reminder. We value your business. We're still here. We're still alive. We're not going anywhere. That redefines business relationships. Fucking hell. I hope I didn't steal any lightning or thunder there. <laughs> no, no, no. Not at all. But, you know, that, that that's the type of tools we build, right? Because we got to get, when we get the businesses to say to their customer, listen, I prefer that you pay me lightning because we solve X amount of problems down the line for them. That's when this takes off, I think. Because then it's the best, kind of like email, right? When mm -hmm. everybody starts using email, when businesses said, listen, guys, I don't care that you like letters, we're moving to email, yep. and this is it. And, and then everybody you, said, okay, email. If you layer on top of that as well, it's very easy for our closed minds to think, yeah, I've got a supplier and I've got to pay them. But we forget that our supplier has a supplier and that supplier has a supplier. So if you're streaming lightning down the supply chain, this is now something like goodbye legacy. I mean, we say it all the time, but like these sats now are just dropping for me, just having this conversation with you. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, that that's truly amazing. Yeah. <laughs> On a global scale, frictionless. Yeah. Yeah. And for businesses, you completely de-risk their operation, right? Yeah. Because because a let's say you're a multinational, you you constantly have the four following problems. You have currency risk. Mm -hmm. You have jurisdictional risk. Mm -hmm. You have liquidity liquidity management uh, problems, and then you have cost of transferring money globally, and, right? And, and rebalancing and, those. Yeah, and, and counterparty risk as well, right? Because uh, yeah. you know that the people that you're doing business with might not just pay you that month. Yeah, and so here 
your currency risk goes down to zero because you can be on your base currency constantly, mm-hmm. immediately. Your jurisdictional risk goes down to zero because as soon as you get paid, you're out. Your liquidity pool management pretends to zero because you need way less liquidity stuck in multiple places and your money transfer cost goes down to zero. And your counterparty risk goes down to zero because every day I can see I'm getting a payment from Jose. Yep. Another day. If you miss a day or two, I can be on the phone. Like what's up? My note is down. Don't worry. We're on it. Like, okay, great. Thanks very much. It's. Huh. What about this idea then of um, banking on the lightning network where people might be inclined to open to stake a lot of bitcoin to open up huge channels to i don't know it's not yield farming to 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 earn interest let's say uh, yeah. to use like legacy yeah. kind of uh, financial terms is this is this a reality could for example ibex could say go ahead it's not today but it will be Mm-hmm. So if Ibex could turn around and say, right, we're going to become Ibex Lightning Banking Inc. And we have this super fat channel. We've got 10 Bitcoin pledged here. We will offer you, for sake of argument, 3%, which is probably double you're going to get in any bank account anywhere around the world per Bitcoin that you pledge. Is this... Is this a, I mean, does, does, does the math even work out here? So it, it's going to, it doesn't right now. This right. is why I say it's something that's coming down the line. It's not here yet. But I've been in conversations with people that are already, you know, thinking in that way and more like they'll be our suppliers, right? So they've reached out to us, listen, would you be interested in, you know, Bitcoin for your channels that you pay us a yield on? And so far, the answer for me is no, because I have enough Bitcoin right now. <laughs> but, you know, it, when this starts to scale, mm-hmm. the answer is probably going to be yes. So... A, an individual or a company could pledge Bitcoin with you and you would pay them a yield on the Bitcoin because that is yeah. upping the the size of your channel because so many merchants are now on board and streaming lightning payments down their supply chains. So you're going to need super fat channels for these things to just keep ticking over. Fascinating. Yeah. No, it's, it's really cool. We're, you know, at the edges right now. A lot of what we're talking is, you know, still a couple of months out, I think, but it's going to be here sooner than people realize. And as a Dutch adoption grows, it's going to be here. And I also believe that uh, the FOMO that this is going to create is going to be significant because at the end of the day, we do have a limit, right? 
which is how many developers we can deploy at any one time. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just our company, I mean the whole ecosystem. And here is where I believe, you know, Strike and everybody else, yeah, there are competitors. But if we look at, at each other more as collaborators, where we can figure out which where each of us adds value, it's much better. Because let's say, for example, all of the Fortune 500 companies decide Lightning is the future and they want it. We don't have the bandwidth. It will, at current rates, I'm estimating, it would take three to five years to onboard every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, let's say you're a POS system, right? And your competition is coming out with their lightning offering next month. And your rollout is in three years. You don't have a business anymore. You're done. So how long are you going to wait till you pick up the phone and call Strike or call Ibex or call OpenNode or call, you know, whoever the big players in this space are and try to get us? Because at some point, we're going to be in a situation where we're going to be charging a lot for these integrations because everybody wants them. And the only way to differentiate, okay, which business do I take is going to be who's going to pay me more, right? And that's the business model for Ibex is just the... uh, The, the, the cost to of the, the how much the merchant is willing to pay to have it have that service put on their point of sale machine no that that's kind of like i think it uh you know it's a lot like the start of the internet right when everybody wanted to have a website mm-hmm. right and websites i don't know if you recall this but um there was a huge first mover advantage if you were if your website was out before your competitions because you started to get a lot more traction with your customers than your competitions right so whoever had the websites up first that actually did something right so amazon basically started this right and what happened with amazon is that People slept on that business model so long and they could refine it so much that by the time everybody wanted to put on their online store, they're dead, right? Now you have Alibaba and that kind of stuff, but that's Asia markets, whatever. But, but that's basically it, right? So here it's... And what happened was when everybody realized this, they started, there was a shortage of just HTML guys, web guys. You're going to get a website done. You reached out to anybody. Okay, next website, I can get slot you in three, four months from now. Start developing. Imagine if that happens with life. Okay, your, your slot is six months out. <laughs> Mate, this is all massive, isn't it? 
I think a lot of people are sleeping on it. I do. I really do. And it's because, like I said, this isn't. It's it's not that it's another way to pay for stuff. It's because it allows for a level of commerce that is just not doable any other way. Just when you think you've seen everything coming of what Bitcoin can offer and what Bitcoin fixes, you, you have a conversation like this and, and your mind starts racing in, in, a, in a thousand different ways again. Yeah. That's yeah. what I love and about this why, space. You know, and that's kind of why to me at this point in time, price movements in Bitcoin are a joke. Yeah. When I hear somebody say, uh, like Michael Saylor, that, that Bitcoin is, you know, way underpriced. He's exactly right. He's exactly right. How much is the most efficient global settlement network ever created worth? Because that's what we're talking about here. How much is that worth? I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it's way more than one trillion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yes, it certainly is. All right, man. All right. So, where else do you want to take this? Was there was there anything that we didn't touch on? I'm sure you've already blown a lot of people's minds as it is. But is there anything else that uh, you wanted to touch on? You'd be surprised because you say this, right? And, and I'm dealing with the technology, so it kind of becomes like even cooler because, you know, I first of all, I can't say a lot of stuff just because I'm still working on this. But, but then if I told you what's going to be possible in a year payment-wise, you wouldn't believe it. And so I say these things and I would bet 80% of the people either don't get it or don't believe it. Because it's so far out with what they know. It's kind of like somebody saying back in 1994 or 1999, listen, you're gonna be able to stream movies on this internet. Right. On a handheld TV. Like, yeah. You have to be dumb, right? Yeah. You're gonna do video. You 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 saw you remember that movie Back to the Future you just saw last weekend? Yeah, that's that video is crap compared to what we're gonna have. So what's the um what's the education piece that you guys are working on? How are you trying to get out into the uh, the local community into Guatemala and, and help the people understand on the ground what Bitcoin is, what you guys are trying to achieve? Well, this is really cool because it's it's giving me a chance to give a shout out to a project that's really very near and dear to our hearts, which is Mi Primera Bitcoin, my first Bitcoin. That's an educational initiative that we're sponsoring in El Salvador. Um, to just teach uh, younger, the younger generations about Bitcoin, why it's important, how to use it, why it matters. Um, 
you know, there's there's an internal struggle within the company where we have people here that think trying to educate the old folks like myself is a waste of time <laughs> <laughs> to go after like, you know, the businessman and that type of stuff. But, and they are really pushing you, we need to focus on the next generation. And there are those that, you know, want to focus more on the current generation of decision makers and, you know, we're splitting the difference. We're trying to reach both. Um, uh, we see varying degrees of success, but slowly I think as the technology becomes more mature and you can put, you know, you, you can put it in the hands of people and they start to like understand the implications of what this is. Uh, I'm confident we'll see some uptake and the other thing that I strongly believe is once people figure out how much money they can either save or make with this technology, they educate themselves really quick. Yeah. All right. Well, once, for example, so, so listen, Daniel, how far is it going how, how long do you think it's going to take, let's say, your project takes off you're getting paid per second you know as you're streaming and and suddenly you know your neighbor sees you in a brand new car you hmm. know they see you upgrading they see you they're like dude i knew daniel he didn't have this level of success right and they go and they ask you daniel what the fuck and you're like well, listen, I have this podcast and, you know, and we should explain the revenue stream idea and everything. And they're like, and you can get paid and everybody, like anybody all over the world. And I can also use this in my business. And then they start to like, okay, I got to get into this. And what I love about this idea as well, uh, if we, if we turn this back onto uh, kind of a Guatemala or El Salvador, if you, mm -hmm. El Salvador in particular, because they have such a huge population that now works abroad. And that person mm -hmm. has to send money back every month, every three months, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And the family at home are just left, you know, just wondering the whole time, is the money going to come? Is the money going to come? If that person is being paid, being stream paid lightning payments, then they can just set mm -hmm. up splits and that money can mm -hmm. just stream be paid be stream paid to their their families and their families never have to worry yep. again yeah it's madness it's it, yeah it's amazing that yeah. uh why wouldn't you do it like that right you, you absolutely 100% would that would be the natural thing you would want to do for your for, yeah. for your family and here's you, the thing yeah and, and the thing is, this isn't this isn't ten times better. This is a hundred, if not a thousand times better way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why would you do it any other way? Well, just because you don't know any better. But as Yet. people start to learn, I got to ask you the last question. Okay, go. If you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? One orange pill to give out. 
you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go super selfish. Uh, I, I'm gonna give it to my mom. Love it. Because, that, you know, it's my mom, make, I want her to get up. Yeah. That, that'd make Sunday dinner time so much easier, right? <laughs> if, if she could see what you and your brother could see. I'm sure she's still thinking, what the hell are these guys up to? But you guys know exactly what you're trying to achieve. And yeah. it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Jose. Well, this has been uh, an incredible rip. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching how all of this uh, plays out. And, and we'll have to have you back on again soon once you've... Uh, been to the point of sale conference. I'm sure you'll be able to make some 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 big inroads there, and have some more announcements. So, where where can people find you and find Ibex? What's the best way to interact? And is there any way that the plebs can help? You know, are you looking for any help in in any kind of domain? I think the biggest way that the plebs can help is find a way to spend your Bitcoin. And, and I don't mean that you necessarily need to convert your Bitcoin and go out and spend it, but find wallets. I know they're out there that you can keep your balance in your local currency. You know what you need to spend day to day, and, but it functions with the Lightning Network. So find those apps, uh, find those wallets, figure out how can I start spending Bitcoin and start hitting merchants. Are we, are you accepting Bitcoin? You know, that, that I think is the biggest help we can get from plebs is start hitting their merchants and saying, listen, I want to pay you in Bitcoin. You have no excuse. There are people out there that are solving this. I want to give you my money, but I want to give it in Bitcoin. We were doing this in Miami and we had good success with our Uber driver and a barman we wanted to play we wanted we wanted to pay uh in bitcoin at the bar but the guy said there's nothing i can do well like, well can we tip you in bitcoin then he's yeah i absolutely love that okay well now you need to download this wallet and we talked him through it and we tipped him like five bucks each so he got a 15 in fact he got more in tip in bitcoin than the, the round of drinks so <laughs> yeah. it was it was amazing and i hope um I hope he, you know, th th these these small little stories, you just hope get kicked down the line when he talks to his friends about it. And so, yeah, let's get out there, plebs, one exactly. person at a day. Yeah, yeah, start start spending it. Don't don't hold on to it. Yeah, and then they can find us at. I, I would honestly send you to Twitter. You know, my personal Twitter is at J L L E M U S. And uh, the company's Twitter, you can go to at Ibex Pay. And you can also find us at Ibex underscore Mercado. So we have uh, Twitter for, for the merchant solution. We have Twitter for the brother company. And, and you have my Twitter as well. Awesome. Are you ever uh, hiring? Do you have any plebs on board? Home? Hiring? Are you hiring at all? Oh, we're always looking for talent. We're starved for talent. So, yeah. <laughs> Careers at ibexmercado.com. Uh, we need everything. 
So right. everything from devs to customer service to creative. All right, man. Well, let's hope we can get some people coming your way. Would they be remote positions as well? Uh, we are flexible. We are in multi-jurisdictional. So Guatemala, Salvador, Miami right now, we're expanding into a couple of other jurisdictions. So, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure we can make it work. All right. Excellent, man. Well, it's been uh, great to get to know you. I really appreciate you coming on and I, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what's, um, what's coming from you guys. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. See you, mate. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to that. Apologies if audio is a little bit uh, squeaky sometimes the Wi-Fi on Jose's end was going in and out at some points. Uh, I think it's all good, but uh, yeah, just a, a small apology there. We struggled with the time for that. Thank you, Jose, for giving up the time for coming on. This is awesome work. Links in the show notes. Go check them out. Please.